Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. What's up? And welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. Hope you are having an amazing week. And thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. So today's question comes from actually a question that one of my friends asked me recently. And actually, I get all the time from people in the Facebook group and, you know, on the interwebs and friend groups and whatnot. And it's how I manage to work with international clients. So I've made it no secret that I have had several international clients and and most of my international clients tend to be my most long-term clients. Now I'm talking clients for my service side of the business. So social media management, community management, website design, all that kind of stuff. And also I have some coaching clients in different countries as well. So just wanted to take a second to remind you that my coaching application is still open. You can go to adjourneyeast.com slash coaching if you're interested in learning more. And uh, yeah, here's, here's clarification that I definitely work with people in different countries. It can be I wouldn't even say that it's challenging, um, but there's just some different quirks and and things to know about it. So that's what this episode's going to be all about. I feel like uh, working with international clients has been really rewarding for me, and it's really taught me a lot about the world. So I definitely recommend doing it if you have the opportunity. So with that said, uh, let's get into the episode. One of my first long-term, you know, big client projects was with an international client. I've talked about them many times before. I worked with them. They were based out of Paris. And the way that they found me was through YouTube. They found a YouTube video reviewing essentially one of their competitors. And they reached out to me and wanted to just first start kind of consulting and asking me some questions about you know, my experience with things with products, services like theirs, and it turned into a long term thing. I ended up working with them for almost three years, building up their entire US team of community managers, writers, and doing events and doing a lot of things. It was a really great experience in my life. And so yeah, that that is kind of the main Uh, experience that I'll really be speaking to. However, there, like I said, have been several smaller clients, coaching clients, things like that as well. So I think one of the most obvious things to keep in mind here about working with international clients is that there is going to be a time difference. (laughs) Um, That's that's pretty much the, the thing that people always ask me about is how do you work with clients when, you know, you're in Eastern Standard Time and they're like all over the world. And it can be challenging and a little bit confusing, but there's been several things that have helped me keep this in check, if you will. So the first thing is using a scheduling tool of some sort. So for most of my US-based clients, I'll just say, hey, can you send over a couple of times that you'll be available and, you know, I'll send a meeting invite through. Well, that gets really confusing when you're talking about different countries. I mean, France wasn't too bad because I think they're five or six hours ahead depending on daylight savings time and stuff. So that's like pretty easy for me to just do in my head. But for my clients who are in Australia and Dubai, that is like different days. <laughs> so like they're ahead, I think like like 12 hours or something. I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head. So it gets really confusing when you're like, okay, do you want to meet on 
my Thursday, your Friday or whatever. So I like to use a tool to just send them a link and they can choose a time. So Calendly is great for this. It's great really for anybody too. Uh, It just kind of eliminates that, hey, send over some times, but definitely for international clients, Calendly is great. I'm going to have the link down in the show notes, but it's just C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. And I've always just used their free account. What's great about it is you can connect it to your existing calendars. So if you use Google Calendar for your main, you know, office calendar, if you use Outlook, you can connect it so that way they can't schedule over an existing meeting that you have. You can set up, you know, uh, a schedule that you're basically open for. You can change it based on the day if you have something going on. It's really, really cool. And then you just get a little hyperlink to send off to whoever needs it and they can book for themselves. So that really saved me a lot of headache when I first started out working with international clients. What I recently discovered, I actually tweeted about this recently. uh, If you have Squarespace or if you're looking to get a Squarespace website, completed for you, which I do offer as a service, I recently discovered that Acuity comes free with most Squarespace plans. I didn't even know this. I've been building Squarespace websites for people for a long time, and I've always had Squarespace websites for for several years now, but I recently discovered this, and it's really great. So Acuity is awesome because you can actually accept payments through there. I'm pretty sure with Calendly, you can as well, but you do have to pay for it. So with Squarespace, you know, the business or commerce plan, the payment option comes free. You get a beautiful, it's like a nice calendar uh, layout for them and you can embed it into your Squarespace site as well. So just a couple of different options there. Um, but it, yeah, I definitely recommend Acuity if you have Squarespace because it comes with with Squarespace already. So um, really recommend that. Another thing when it comes to time difference is you're just gonna have to be a little bit open to working with people off of your normal schedule. I definitely recommend keeping a day-to-day schedule for your freelancing, whether, you know, whether you're doing this full-time or whether you're doing this as a side hustle, keep office hours. They can be Saturday. You know, if this is your side hustle, they can be Saturday, 9 to 2 p.m. They can be 6 to 9 p.m., whatever it is. But I really think that that is healthy. (laughs) So you're not like running all over the place at all hours of the day. And it also helps your clients so they know when you're available. So they're not, you know, reaching out and wondering why you didn't instantly respond. But as you can probably understand with international clients, sometimes you do have to bend those rules just a little bit or sometimes a lot. So again, Paris was pretty nice and it was actually a really great um, move for me at that point in my life because since I was working full time, a nine to five job, I was able to connect with them early in the morning. So I would just wake up an hour or two early, have a call with them at 6 a.m. before I left for the office. And 6 a.m. was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 p.m. So it worked out really nicely because that's in the middle of their normal workday. Working with clients, like I said, in Australia or as my clients in Dubai, they're at a little bit of a different time. So like you'll get to know, you know, which timing works. And and for pretty much everywhere on the globe, there's going to be a time that's mutually agreeable for both of you. So I meet with a lot of my clients in Australia in my evening time. So I'll just work a little bit later. So I'll do like 7 p.m., which is totally fine. Uh, And then in Dubai, I'll usually wake up early. So I'm meeting at 7 or 8 a.m. over there and it's the middle of the day for them. So you'll find the times at work, but they're more than likely not going to be during your nine to five 
hours if that's what you like to work for your business. So just keep that in mind and honestly use it to your benefit. You know, if you have to have a meeting with a client in a different country at 7 p.m., maybe try to schedule that meeting on a day when you have a doctor's appointment during the day anyway. So you're going to probably be working a little later into the evening or uh, maybe a day when you do have to go into your nine to five or something like that. So it gives you uh, some wiggle room there. So whatever it is, you are probably going to have to adjust a little bit and, and really both sides are probably going to have to adjust a little bit. So I'm always super transparent, of course, where exactly I'm located so they can plan ahead and understand that my hours might be a little weird. And also bringing us into the next point, I also explain that just so they know response time and communication might be a little bit lapsed, if you will. So I'm typically pretty good about communicating with my clients and getting back to them really quickly. I would say that 24 hours is kind of my average. I mean, obviously, if it's something, if I need to review like a full plan or a full outline or a document or something, that might take a little bit longer. But just for quick questions and such, I'm usually, you know, 24 hours is like the maximum. But I do like to explain to my international clients at the outset that things might be just a little bit delayed just because, you know, if I get an email at 12 a.m. my time and then I have meetings throughout the day and you know just my normal life and normal work that I have to do throughout the day I might not realistically get back to them until like the following morning which will be a little bit longer than 24 hours so I just again like to be really open about those things from the outset because it's just good to be open about those things I think so and again I I really believe in under promising over delivering so I'll usually say you know maybe let's say 24 to 48 hours for international clients and realistically I still probably get back to them in the same amount of time but just like to put that out there just to prevent any you know any miscommunication there or any let down expectations, if you will. With my international clients, I've developed a lot of different ways that I like to communicate. So I always get this question too, because obviously it's very expensive to call a lot of these places. I mean, US and Canada and I think Mexico are all included in my phone plan. So I can call direct to all of those places. And I'm actually right across the border from Canada. So to me, Canada, I don't even really consider international anymore. It is, but it's it's a little bit different. But when it comes to places in Europe, Asia, that kind of thing, you know, it can get expensive to call. So Google Hangouts is my friend. Google Hangouts works pretty much anywhere. I, I use that kind of as my go-to for conference calling, video calling. I also like freeconferencecall.com. So I use that too, just for domestic clients too, because it's a free conference line if you want to have people dial in from their phone and don't want to do video. Uh, so that one's good. And then for my coaching clients in particular, so one of the benefits to joining my coaching program is that we're able to chat throughout the week about whatever it is that you need, touch base for a little, you know, pick me up, ask questions as you're working with your clients, whatever. And so normally for my US clients, I say that they can either text me or send me um, a Facebook message. And so especially for my international clients, what really works for us is using WhatsApp. It's an app that allows you to essentially text anybody in the world or Facebook Messenger. So Facebook Messenger, as you know, is pretty much like a texting app now as well. Now, another thing that's different about working with international clients is language barriers. Now, again, if you're working with international clients in Canada, the UK, or Australia, or, you know, even countries like India have a really high English-speaking population, there's lots of countries that have very high English-speaking populations. But if you're working with people who 
English is not their first or second language even, it can sometimes be challenging. So this is definitely where some of my experience with my first long-term freelancing client came in. They, like I said, were based in Paris and a lot of the people who worked there did not speak fluent English. My direct manager, he did speak fluently um, but it wasn't his first language. So there was still some, you know, communication, um, bar- like language barriers, I guess you could say. I mean, he was extremely fluent, way more fluent than I am in French. But, you know, every once in a while, there'd be like a concept that neither of us could really understand and things like that. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I found it really important to try to learn their language a little bit too. I think that's one of the really huge benefits of working with international clients is it's a cool thing and it's an ability to practice a different language. Now, obviously there's a time and a place. They're not there to be your teacher. Um, So don't like try to quiz, do like French quizzes all day. But, you know, especially if I was presenting in front of a larger team, I would try my best to at least learn some standard greetings and how to speak to people. I don't think it's necessarily something that you have to do, but I think that it just shows that you're trying and that it's more of just um, a cultural competency type thing. So I'm pretty lucky in that I did study French in school for several years. I took like several years of French. So I am, I wouldn't say fluent in it, but I do understand a lot and I can speak it if forced. (laughs) No, I do try to speak it. Um, Definitely when I travel to Francophone countries. So I was pretty lucky in that I could understand a lot of what was going on. So I would often tell them, you know, hey, if you have a conference call and you guys are trying to have it in French and I'm the only English speaker here, just have it in French. I'll understand what you're saying. I might not be quite as big of a participant, but I'll understand what you're saying. And then if I need any clarification, I'll just talk to my boss afterwards uh, or the person who I directly report to and, you know, catch any any holes that I may have missed. So just doing things like that can help um, integrate you, I think, a little bit better. But I understand that that's not realistic for everybody. So if it isn't, just do your best and, and try to research a little bit. I think it shows that you care. Now, another thing where the language barrier thing came in, particularly for marketing folks or social media folks, those of us who are creating copy. So I'm pretty used to having the ability to have a second pair of eyes on my content. If I just, if I write a social plan and I submit it to somebody or if I need some feedback on something, I'm pretty used to having clients be able to like look things over or, uh, you know, give feedback on things. So that's something that I definitely had to learn and had to train myself to really triple check my copy before it went out. I was lucky to be able to ultimately hire a team for this client that I'm, I'm talking about in particular. So I did have two other social media people and writers who could double check who are native English speakers, but before they joined, it, I really had to kind of rely on myself. Again, I did have ungl- other English speakers on the team, but they weren't first, um, that wasn't their first language. So sometimes things would go out and I would kind of forget like, oh, the grammar is off here. I totally forgot about that or whatever. So just some things to keep in mind. In addition to language barriers, there's also different cultural norms. So this one is probably the hardest to really like teach. There's not a tool that teaches you different cultural norms. I think it really just comes down to research. And again, similar to the language thing, I think just try to learn and be proactive so you're not being like, you know, the stereotype of an entitled American who thinks that everybody knows everything about our country and we don't have to know everything, anything else about theirs. So 
little things like, for example, holidays in France. I think it's, I don't remember now if it's July or August, but one of those months, most people take that whole month off. So knowing that, so you can prepare ahead for Are we keeping the lights on in the business? Am I gonna be working independently? Should I get some things prepared before? Whatever, like just keeping that in mind is really good to know. I think the company that I worked for was a younger, hip kind of startup, so they didn't necessarily take the whole month off, but a lot of people were off during that month. I remember it was a really lean time, and if I wasn't like culturally aware of that, I would have been really confused and maybe (laughs) thought that our company was shutting down because it was like a ghost town in there. So like just learning about those things, learning about their holidays, even just to say little quick things like, you know, happy, you know, whatever holiday it is that they're celebrating that week. Learning when things are important to them, like when France won the World Cup, you know, that's something that the whole team was celebrating. So you want to be able to be, you know, in there, like congratulating them, being a part of the celebration, even if you are far away. Now there's other things too, obviously more traditional work type things. Um, I know the stereotype is that the French kiss on, you know, both cheeks as a greeting, and that is true. Now, obviously, when you're working remotely, that's not necessarily something that you have to prepare for or anything like that. But if you ever do do client visits and travel, that's definitely, you know, greetings and things like that are definitely things that you want to be aware of. And when I went to France for the first time, I don't know, I guess I was kind of not expecting that to be real. Like I was like, oh, some people probably do it, but it's not like, you know, I didn't really expect it to be like a everyday everyone kind of thing. But, and obviously this is just my experience, but my experience was that everybody did it and I loved it. I loved it. And I, me and Norris, when we came back, we're like, we're going to, we're going to keep that going. I know we're going to make that a thing here in the States. And we kind of, I don't think we have kept up with that, but I do love it. I think it's a cool greeting. So just like not to be taken off guard by that. And it's actually funny because I think it's pretty acceptable here now in workplace culture to hug. Like, I mean, obviously you wouldn't hug your boss or your client every day, but I think it's considered pretty workplace appropriate if it's, you know, a workplace appropriate hug every once in a while for the first time meeting or something like that. Um, And it's interesting because they, in France, that wasn't so much of a thing. And I was talking to one of my French friends and it was interesting because I noticed that in France that wasn't as much of a thing and that the cheek kisses were. And I kind of, I don't know, like to Americans, sometimes we think kissing is so intimate and it's kind of like something to get used to, you know? And it was interesting because I was talking to one of my French friends and he was telling me, he's like, you know, if you really think about it, hugging is actually a lot more intimate than a cheek kiss. Your your the whole front of your body is like touching. And, you know, it's true when you think about it. And so I was a total weirdo, of course, and like hugged my former French boss and was like, oh shoot, like (laughs) he probably thinks I'm being really weird or inappropriate. So, you know, things like that, just to keep in mind, talking, you know, Americans have a reputation for being really loud talkers. It sounds like we're yelling. And it's funny because I think that I'm pretty soft-spoken and even me, I know that sometimes I can be very loud when it comes to like traditional French standards. So just being aware of those things. So you're not being like disrespectful or rude or anything like that. And of course, I'm not saying that you need to change who you are uh, because they hired you for a reason. And, and, you know, you, you don't want to 
completely blend into a different culture, but just being aware of things that might come across as like rude or kind of like a faux pas that you might not think about. So just doing research and being around your colleagues or clients or whatever that will help you. Um, You'll just learn naturally, I think. Another thing that I thought was really interesting about France too is I know, and I don't know that I should have pulled this up before I started recording, but I know that recently they passed a law in France where you can't require your workers to answer their emails on the weekends or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the what the specifics are, but I know that, you know, work-life balance in most other countries, honestly, is a lot more prioritized than it is here in the US. And I always thought it was so interesting when I was working for this company because everyone would be like, oh my gosh, Latasha is such a hard worker. Oh my gosh, she's working a full-time job and doing this. And she's, you know, like I always got a lot of kudos for that. And I guess, I mean, yeah, I know that I am a hard worker in general, but especially when it came to their standard, um, I think it was kind of surprising and, and different. So Again, that doesn't mean that I had to change anything, but it's just good to keep in mind that if I send out an email on Saturday night, no one's probably going to respond to me. And as a lot of us know who work in the US, like that's the norm. Like everyone is checking their emails all the time. You can always reach somebody. It's, you know, I know I feel guilty if I don't answer emails on the weekends. That's something that I'm really working on when it comes to client boundaries and things like that. So you probably won't get a response. So a lot of the time it was really hard for me to get responses from people. Again, like I said, when it came to those summer months when people were on holiday, you know, here, if you're on vacation, you're still expected to answer emails for the most part, I would say. So just a totally different approach to work-life balance and something I think that we can learn a lot from. I loved working for them because it did encourage me to put my phone down on the weekends. Nobody was going to respond to me, so I didn't really need to send it out. I would instead just, you know, save a draft or send it out on Monday morning and just really allow myself to enjoy the weekends, enjoy my time off. Um, And again, these are generalizations. Not every company does this and depends on what industry you're in and things like that. But for the most part, I would say that that is a big thing that I learned from working with um, my French clients in particular. Now, the last point is one that I really don't have a ton of advice for because I am not a lawyer or anything like that or, a, you know, accountant, but there are different tax laws and different employment laws and things like that in different countries. So um, this is good to probably talk to your accountant or talk to a lawyer about just to make sure sure that everything is good for you and that you don't need to request any special forms or anything like that. But, you know, different countries do things differently. They have different tax cycles and different reporting methods for taxes and everything like that. So you just want to make sure that you're aligned with their their um, practices so that there's no surprises or no confusion or anything like that at the end of the year when you go into your payer taxes. Uh, Another thing kind of tying into that last point, I know that freelancers are regarded differently in different cultures and in different different countries. So in some countries, freelancing is very, very normal and very common and almost everybody works as a freelancer. In other countries, it's really not something that they're so used to. So you might have to try a little bit harder when it comes to getting the buy-in there. If you're pitching to a client who's in a different country, they might not be quite as used to that and they might really like kind of that employee, employee loyalty a little bit more. So again, just doing some simple research. Um, one thing that 
was really interesting to me whenever I'm working with different clients. And, and this is particularly important for my coaching clients because I'm teaching them how to pitch their own services and how to sell their own business and market their own business. So, you know, I have to be in touch with what's going on in those different countries and different trends that are going on, different competitors, uh, even things like pricing is really important. So I can speak to American pricing all day, but when I'm working with a client who's in Australia or who's in Dubai, like the their dollars are worth completely different amounts. So I need to educate myself on that kind of thing and also just get a grasp on what the freelancing economy is like in those different countries. If I'm teaching people how to become better freelancers, I need to know what that landscape is really like there. And also learning about the unemployment rate was really interesting for me too. So I didn't really realize that France had a, a higher unemployment rate than we do here in America. So that was just interesting. It wasn't anything that I necessarily needed to do anything with that information, but it does just help you understand, you know, your colleagues a little bit better and like what motivates them and what their lifestyles are like. And it's just, it's just good to know. I think, again, it's nothing that you need to do anything with, but just doing that research is really helpful so you understand, you know, kind of where you fit in with everything and understand, you know, your colleagues and the business overall. So those are my major tips for working with clients in different countries. Again, I think that it's something that you should definitely do if you have the opportunity to. I think that it's it's cool. It's fun. It's like, you know, I never thought that one of my first long-term clients would be in France. And I think that's a cool thing to say. Whenever I say it, people are like, ooh, international woman. And, you know, it's 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 pretty cool and it's fun and it gave me experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I think most importantly, it gave me friends in a different country. Now, every time I go to Paris, I know that I have friends to hang out with, which is just a really cool thing and a cool thing about the internet in general. Same thing for Dubai and Australia and uh, Canada, all over Canada. So I love that. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you thought of it by tweeting me, Instagramming me, and you know, sharing the episode too. It's one thing I don't ask very often. But if you do have any friends who are thinking about freelancing or starting their own business or who are current freelancers, I would love it if you shared the podcast with them. Just send them the link or tell them, you know, to check it out on Spotify or iTunes or wherever they listen to their podcasts. I think that's one of the best ways to really share the podcast is through referrals. You know, I trust the things that my friends tell me to check out. So if you don't mind doing that, it would mean the world to me. And I will talk to you next Friday for a new episode. Thanks for listening. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.